0: So do dreams actually mean anything or are they just garbage dumps of the mind? And even if we could learn something by excavating our subconscious landfill, then what? What's all that trash good for anyway? Today we interviewed Dr. Amy Lawson, pediatrician turned PhD in Jungian and archetypal studies, who now has her own podcast, The Stuff of Dreams, where she reads and interprets dream center from people across the globe. Together we will address the following. Why do we have recurring dreams? What does it mean if you have a dream of your teeth falling out, or being struck by a tidal wave, or driving off of a cliff? What about earthquakes? And how about that course you're going to fail in college because you just can't find the classroom? Lastly, we will discuss tips and tricks for recording and analyzing your own dreams, as well as how to examine dreams in a way that may help bring growth and development to you in your own life. My name is Benjamin Rusick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What To Do. Where I wanted to start today was who gives a shit about dreams and why? Why should we study dreams? Who cares? It's dumb. Dreams are just, you know, the mind's garbage bin of memories and things, and it's a processing thing, and so what? So, Amy, why should we care about dreams?
1: Well, they definitely are polarizing, that's for sure. Some people care about them, and some people seem threatened by them, I think. Oh, Maybe that's not where we want to start. but That's a
0: great place to start.
1: But yeah, I've been poking people about dreams since I started my podcast. And whenever I get in a Lyft or an Uber, and if they're trying to talk to me, I say something about dreams just because that's a good random sampling of people. Uh And either they're super interested and want to tell me a dream or they're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Some people seem very threatened by the thought that they might mean something. And I'm not exactly sure what's under that, except for maybe that they just want to consciously be in control and there couldn't possibly be anything in some spontaneous product of their mind that they can't control.
0: I often ask people who think that dreams are garbage. I said, well, if dreams are garbage, why do we spend half of our lives asleep and having dreams? And they usually give me some flip answer like, oh, it's the brain's way of something it's a garbage dump and it's like okay but if the brain is doing it and if it's a garbage dump maybe garbage jumps are useful maybe there's things you can find in a garbage dump think about how much like an anthropologist or an archaeologist mm. ten thousand years from now is going to learn about our culture by examining landfill
1: that's a good point
0: and i think if the brain is doing it and if we have what are essentially hallucinatory experiences pretty much every night i would say ladies and gentlemen of the universe and the world that that's probably important
1: just saying plus How many people have had the experience of like waking up from a dream and you're like really emotionally impacted by it in some way, Mm -hmm. whether you're terrified or you're happy and overjoyed or blissful or whatever. And I can't tell you how many dreams I read from people where they're like, I just woke up. This dream seems so important. I don't know why, but I have to know what it means. Trash doesn't give you that kind of conviction. Trash (laughs) can't make you cry or be terrified.
0: Clearly, you haven't gone through people's trash, Amy, because I know a guy who works for the city of San Francisco, and every couple weeks, he sends me photographs of the strangest things Mm. in the trash.
1: But still, I mean, come on. Dreams Mm, mean something.
0: They do. Yeah. The other thing that happens when you discuss a dream with a patient or a person, invariably, the conversation goes to someplace deep Mm. and important. And I challenge anyone to try this. If you don't think dreams are important and you're talking to a buddy about his or her dream, see where the conversation ends up in, like, 15 seconds. You'll be talking about your parents, your childhood, your deepest dreams and desires and all that stuff. And it might not even be related to the dream per se, but just bringing up a dream. I think human beings are imbued with an inherent understanding that talking about dreams is about the subconscious and is about something bigger and deeper than our daily concerns, that there's something really important going on. So even if dreams mean nothing, talking about dreams leads people to someplace powerful. Mm. Ergo,
1: Talk about dreams, motherfuckers. (laughs) People will act like they don't know how to understand their dreams, but I'm one of the moderators on a dream interpretation subreddit. And we ask people when they write their dreams to tell us just like a little bit of background that they think might be relevant. And if people remember to do that, I can't tell you how many times they've actually really interpreted their own dream by unconsciously including the information from their life that is exactly important in interpreting the dream. I think a lot of people have more skill in it than they would realize. Yeah.
0: And so I'm going to give my little speech that I give my dream groups, which is that the Jungian modality espouses that mental health comes from connecting the conscious to the unconscious mind. And by the conscious mind, we mean the ego, basically, your hopes and dreams, the things you want, the walking around state. And that if you base your life around, oh, I want this, oh, I want that, you'll be grossly unhappy. You'll be chasing the will o' the wisp into the woods and you'll never catch it. Your dreams will be dashed because it'll never be enough. One of the marks of, for instance, a narcissist is that they're always trying to fill their ego wounds and they never really get what they want because they don't go someplace deeper. So the hallmark of mental health is being able to connect yourself to something deeper within you. And there are a number of ways to do that you know my old therapist said that art was basically bringing what's in the unconscious or the collective unconscious which is everybody's sort of if you believe in a collective unconscious that we're all connected somehow unconsciously and bringing things from beneath to the surface and that heals people so a really easy example which everyone uses is Star Wars. So George Lucas did, you know, basically a Western and he did all these, you know, ghoulies that kind of we connected with, like that bar scene, you know, that famous cantina scene and all those monsters. There's something about those creatures that just look like, I almost want to say familiar. Mm -hmm. Luke's descent into the the hero's journey and all that stuff. And we connect with that and we experience healing from looking at things that are underneath. And that's what art does. So art brings all those, it's like fishing. They bring, that you bring this great sort of beautiful thing that you found in the depths to the surface and everyone looks at it and they experience healing. Myths are the same way. Myths Mm. are collective stories. They're collective dreams. It's like everybody has this sort of unconscious dream people retell the story and that it becomes wildly popular because everybody resonates with it. I would say that modern urban myths fall in the same category. And there's multiple ways. You can dance, you can talk therapy, you can draw pictures, you can pick up leaves. Whatever it is that gets you in touch with the unconscious and heals you is a great direction to go. Dream analysis is one way to do that. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. Dreams are truth tellers i won't bore everybody with lots of quotes but my favorite quote that i like to say all the time is from jung is dreams show the inner truth and reality of the patient as it really is not as i conjecture it to be and not as he would like it to be but as it is
0: oof Ouch. And the other thing I want to say about dreams is the reason that time and space don't make a lot of sense in dreams is because reality as it is, is bereft of time and space. Time and space are ego constructs that we use to make sense of the world from here to there. So if you have a dream where you're in your simultaneously in your mother's kitchen and in the living room of your grandfather, that doesn't make any sense spatially, but it does in the term of the dream because the dream is taking elements of your grandfather's living room and your mother's kitchen and, and juxtaposing them and saying, this is the real message. In the ego world, well, that doesn't make any sense. You have to have some sort of gimmick that makes them work together, but not in the dream world. I think that dreams are stripped of all of that stuff and lay everything, meaning is laid completely bare. And they're actually so simple that we can't understand them.
1: Dreams speak in symbols and metaphors and emotions. Mm-hmm. And Maybe that's threatening to some scientists out there that only want to live according to data and black and white and ones and zeros. But if you think about most human life, we live in symbols and images and emotions.
0: Absolutely. It's more of a collage than a linear story. So what's that line from Macbeth that there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are contained in your philosophy. Science is funny because scientists all think that they know something because we can measure it. But really, when scientists measure all the data in the world is simply a measurement of what we can measure, and it simply says you are this ignorant. You are ignorant by X amount.
1: <laughs> That's a very pessimistic. Way it to it look is, at but it. I
0: mean, think it's true, right? Like science can only measure so much, and beyond that, nobody fucking knows. That's true. Which means that science is a measurement of really what we don't know yet.
1: And being a doctor, science has many upsides. It
0: has tons of upsides, yes. but this particular downside nobody wants to look at.
1: Well, and nobody wants to think that the observer affects the experiment either, but God that's God forbid.
0: That, well, yeah. except for the quantum physicists, but that's another story. Yeah. So that's my little thing on dreams. Did you want to say anything more about why dreams are important and why you should pay attention when you go to sleep and have an hallucination?
1: A hallucination. <laughs> <laughs> Because they affect us. At their core, I believe that dreams are messages from our unconscious. And I think that a big part of the unconscious is our inner self, which is very wise. Dreams being messages from that inner self are like carriers of wisdom. And who knows me better than my inner self? Who would I rather trust to give me advice? You or my dreams? Perfect. I have taken a lot of advice from you, but I trust myself. Most of it was bad.
0: (laughs) Well, dreams are also connected to the imagination. So Jung said that the dreams, between the dreams of night and day, there is not so great a difference. If you believe that, that means that when you sit down and have, when you imagine a story, you are just fantasizing about the future, that you're having a waking dream. The function that allows us to imagine and dream and have goals and all that stuff is indelibly connected to our sleeping state. So if you're going to put stock in what you imagine during the day, I would recommend that you put stock in what you imagine at night.
1: Yes. And Jung also said, our psyche can't really tell the difference between having external experiences and internal experiences. Oh,
0: that's a good point. Can you say more about that?
1: If you're experiencing something in a dream that feels very real, which is why I think dreams often speak in emotions. I think sometimes the point of the dream was to evoke that particular emotion that you're maybe ignoring in your conscious life. Mm -hmm. So your unconscious is like, hey, I'm going to make you feel it now. Dreams are really, they're compensatory. So if we're getting too one-sided in our conscious everyday life, the unconscious is going to send us stuff to try to balance that one-sidedness. So that's just another example, I think, of the wisdom that they have.
0: When I work with grief and loss, I remind patients that every impression you ever had of somebody is literally in your brain. We don't actually see things as they are. We, we interpret what we see. The memory of somebody is not appreciably different from our experience of them when they're standing in front of us. And that way we can
1: speak to the dead. Oh, absolutely. Well, and sometimes people will come to you anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had lots of dreams about my mother, but there have been a couple where I've been like, no, I really think that was her. And a couple where I thought, oh no, that's just using her as a symbol. Right. Well,
0: let's start with something simple. Dreams that recur, recurring dreams. Oh, yeah. So for those of you listening at home, ask yourselves for a moment, this is like, a, (laughs) why do you think we have recurring dreams? pause. Don't look at the answer. Why would you have a recurring dream? What would the point of that be? What is your psyche saying if it's saying something over and over and over again? Amy, what is the psyche saying when it's saying something over and over and over again?
1: It's saying listen to me you didn't get it the first time or the second time or the third time this is really really important so pay attention exactly and a lot of times recurring dreams will have little details that change either over time or with each session and you can make a lot out of that too
0: have you had any recurring dreams that have changed over time
1: actually no I I don't have recurring dreams I have have recurring dream elements like I dream about cats a lot but they're not the same so what what are, are yours what
0: are cats symbolic of
1: cats are usually the feminine and the body mm-hmm. sometimes the mother
0: yeah. mm-hmm. I have a dream where I'm back at school at UC Berkeley and I can't find my class and I'm gonna fail it because I haven't gotten to the class and lots of people have this dream I think it has to do with unfinished business mm-hmm. of some kind and initiation because college is a big initiatory experience into life and usually I can't find the class and I'm gonna fail and I'm looking around for the student union because this the associate student union has you can go there and get a printout of what class. you're taking and where they are and so usually the first part of the dream is me trying to find this damn building it's often closed or there's if there's a line and sometimes I'll make it in and sometimes they'll give me a printout of my classes and sometimes I'll be able to read the thing and every once in a while I'll actually go to the class and I had a couple dreams where I actually found the class and realized I didn't like the class and that I wanted to be in a different class since so mm-hmm. they put me in a different classroom, like an art class instead of like a math class, which is, I think kind of speaks for itself, you know, go to this direction, not that direction. Mm-hmm. And that maybe I need to step into my creativity more. Maybe there's, there's some sort of learning that I need that I haven't really pursued. And also forgetting requ- you know, implies an unconscious state that I'm not being really awake to the lessons in life.
1: Not being able to connect with the plan, not being able to get the schedule of your classes. Because wouldn't we all like to just have a schedule of of our (laughs) classes where we could just, if we proceed along this course, everything will be just fine. Yeah.
0: Recurring dreams that I often hear are people driving off of cliffs. They'll be driving along a cliff and a road will get narrower and narrower and narrower until their car is going to fall off. And that one's usually, I would say, that's about the perilous nature of the journey they're on. Maybe they're not thinking, maybe they're asleep at the wheel. That's a common one. Um, Mm -hmm. They often drive into the ocean.
1: And falling can be an image of like connecting conscious and unconscious, connecting upper and lower.
0: I can see that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, Flying dreams uh, tend to be when you're not really grounded in life. They can be a lot of fun. Maybe you're too grounded. One of the things that uh, Edinger talked about, he's a Jungian philosopher, he said that it's very difficult to tell whether or not a dream is a prediction of a change that's about to happen in your mm-hmm. life or a reflection of a change that has occurred in your life.
1: Yep, it can really be either one.
0: Because if it's the former, it's more of a, a, hey, this is, you've processed this and cool. But if it's about something that's coming or a, sort of like a, um, something that's generating in your psyche. He uses the word entelechy, which means like a sort of a self-realized system with its own agency. The soul is an entelechy because it, it exists in its own, it's kind of a weird word. In it's own.
1: pulling out the big words. Well, <laughs> I'm a pediatrician. Anyway. I don't like the big words. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so
0: the idea is dreams also have this sort of agency aspect where like I once had a dream that I received a toolkit from my mom that had like a butane burner and a wrench and it was bright and shiny and new. And I think the dream was saying, here's your toolkit for life. Go forth. Mm -hmm. That dream I think was definitely about creation of something inside me that the dream had its own agency. And it was like, here you go because I had no tools at that point. I don't think it was reflective of anything that had happened, but Edinger also said it can be both, which is paradoxical anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking too much. Uh, What would you like to say?
1: Um, Well, other another recurring dream that I see a lot on Reddit is the huge wave. Dreams of really huge waves that are going to crash down or the dreamer's afraid they're going to crash down or they're threatening somehow. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a really common image. And to me, that's just an image of anxiety and overwhelm if water usually symbolizes the unconscious then these waves are something coming up from below and threatening sure. to overwhelm the dreamer yeah and so when people tell me they have those recurrently i say you know we'll try to write down what's going on right around the time when you have those because these dreams may be warning you of something or they may be trying to make you realize that you feel more anxious or threatened than you consciously mm-hmm. are allowing yourself to but yeah that's another really common one
0: why is water symbolic of the unconscious often?
1: It just is. Yeah, that's archetypal. I mean, that's. What, That's thousands of years of human evolution in it, my It opinion. is. And
0: what are the qualities? Let's get super concrete here. <laughs> oh, okay. We're what right. are the qualities of water or let's say the ocean that would lend itself to be symbolic of something like the unconscious?
1: Yeah. So it's vast, but it's mostly unknown, right? Mm-hmm. We, we haven't mapped much of the ocean at mm-hmm. all. It's like when things are sticking out of the ocean, it's only the tip of the iceberg or mm-hmm. the tip of the island or volcano The or conscious whatever. mind. That's the conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really fluid, right? It's not hard. It's not set in stone. Mm-hmm. The ocean takes the shape of its container. It's
0: mercurial. And there's also creatures in it. Mm-hmm. Melville's Moby Dick. It's about this whale, and the whale is usually symbolic of the the life itself. In that particular book, it's it's more about you know Ahab's insanity.
1: Have you read that? I never, I never. Oh, uh, chunks of it. Mm. Everyone always says, "Once you're a Jungian? you should read Moby Dick." But whatever. I haven't done.
0: it. Whenever anyone says you should do X because of <laughs> Y, I tell them to go fuck themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so there's like creatures in it, and also you know Jung. He said the conscious mind is a cork bobbing on the ocean of the unconscious. Ooh,
1: yeah, because we want to think think that we have total control, but really the unconscious is totally just moving us around and all of our complexes and Mm. hidden emotions Mm. and stuff are affecting our behavior a lot more than we would like to think.
0: And Jung talked about how the collective unconscious makes decisions like the collective unconscious will decide whether or not we're going to go to war, which president Mm. we're going to elect, what's sort of coming and we'll all unconsciously in a sleeping state make decisions, which is a terrifying thing to think about. And I think it's the reason that fortune tellers are able to do that they do, because I think they can actually sense that transpersonal psyche, that collective Mm -hmm. unconscious. They sense the stuff that everybody knows, but nobody knows that they know it. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Honestly, this is a little bit of an aside, but I think that the stock market is actually a really good reflection of what the collective unconscious is doing.
1: That actually makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they talk about the stock market as discounting the future, like you're buying something now because you think it's going to be it's going to be more expensive later. But like recently, the stock market plummeted when COVID hit because it was real. They could sense the economy was going to shut down, like the world was going to close. But with the protests, I'm not saying the protests weren't real or meaningful the stock market went up like you would think civil unrest the stock market's going to go down because everybody's worried but no it's kind of like the collective knows that even though there's these all these massive protests and this civil unrest that things are going to hold together that we're going to come to a good good solution on this we're going to figure this one out and but something like covid you just can't make that prediction you don't know if the whole world's going to
1: drop dead half of me thinks that makes a lot of sense and half of me thinks that all the Wall Street bros shouldn't have anywhere near that kind of.
0: <laughs> well, they don't, but they. But it's <laughs> it's what I'm saying is that they're moved by the collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. Their decision making is based on a, a sleep stuff. Well, I don't know
1: if they're more in tune with their unconscious than their conscious. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> Sorry, I've seen Wolf of Wall Street too many times.
0: Well, the thing is that those people, they also everything's in the stock market is based on second guessing. So you're guessing what they're. while well, the other people are going to guess. It's like you know that thing with the crickets. No, you know why crickets they all they have that when you listen to crickets chirping and it sounds like a wave that goes up and down
1: oh yeah
0: and there's thousands of them doing that and how can they be in harmony well the reason they're in harmony is because they're all competing with each other for females and if everybody's competing with everybody else there's a certain harmony
1: Hmm.
0: the crickets don't know that
1: Hmm.
0: right maybe they do Maybe they do. I doubt it, but maybe they do. And I think that's what happens in the world a lot, not just with stock market, but other things that everyone is trying, everyone is driving towards somewhere, but they're being driven by so many things underneath everything. And everyone's being driven by those things that there's a certain weird harmony that happens that that is just, uh, it's bizarre to me.
1: It is bizarre. You know, as humans, we like to think that we chart our own course and, you know, set, set our own actions, but we are very much shaped by the culture we're in and the people we're around. And yes, it's not terrible. Um, Depends on your point of view, I guess. Yeah. Uh, sometimes when I get too in my ego and feel too much pressure that I have to do everything right, it's kind of nice to just be like, oh, wait. I'm a small part of everything. Yeah. It really doesn't matter if this one thing I did made a difference or not. It's okay.
0: Yeah, it's hard to battle with that ego, man. I, I struggle with that a lot. So dreams, um, do you have a dream you'd like to share with us?
1: Oh, I did have a dream last night that somehow you and me discovered the fifth dimension in dreams. We were looking to convince people that the fifth dimension existed because we could prove it through dreams somehow. So I thought that was interesting wow. right our podcast. What
0: do you suppose that means?
1: To me, I think it was just about like talking about the importance of dreams and that there's still another dimension of the importance to discover and tell people about. And I don't know, it just felt a little bit like we had something to offer.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Also, a dimension is something that's impossible for people to perceive.
1: Yeah. So, and that was definitely the struggle in the dream was like, how are we going to prove this or whatever? And,
0: yeah. Yeah. Which is impossible. Dreams are not provable, in my opinion.
1: And some people won't want to hear about them, but some people will.
0: Because you can't measure it, so it's not worth anything, right? So, folks, we're just going to get into it.
1: Okay, here's my dream. It's evening, and I'm attending a class with a few other people. We're outside. Familiar people arrive and settle into their usual places on a small, square, wooden stage, maybe 10 feet on a side, with a few steps on each side where we can sit. Our teacher sits in a chair a few feet away up a little slope, but he's not on the stage with us. There's a silver-haired older man opening up his laptop, and I'm really impressed by the protective metal-hinged cage that he has it in. And another older man who has to be convinced to sit in his preferred spot every time, always going through a routine of, there's no room for me, I'll be in the way. I get comfortable on one of the ledges, and then just as the lecture is starting, there's an earthquake. I think, really, this too in this crazy year? I know I'm in San Francisco, and I look out across this big grassy area and see the ground undulating like waves, and Mm. I can see the ocean and buildings in the distance. The ground is shaking hard, so I'm glad we're outside. We're all scared. I can see lots of people running around, and then suddenly I hear a woman screaming my full name. She's really far away, and I'm not sure how I picked out her voice in all the chaos, but I can see her figure in the distance, and I keep my eyes on her as I make my way toward her. The earthquake stops. I get to her and introduce myself, and she looks relieved and shows me two twin blonde-haired girls, maybe four or five years old, one with some blue and pink extensions in her hair. They have a picture of me with them when they were much smaller. I don't remember them, but apparently their mother told them if anything ever happened to her, they should find me. So they told this woman who was screaming my name, and she helped them, and they just stand there smiling at me. What do you make of that? Well, there's kind of three main phases of the dream right so first one I'm in school somehow I'm in a class and Mm -hmm. then there's the earthquake and everything's shaken up Mm -hmm. and then I'm connected with these two twin girls through Mm -hmm. this woman that I don't know One of my friends often talks about how in dreams, the first part of the dream often refers to the past. And then there's like the middle is the present and the end is the future or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in this dream, I do feel that movement because it feels like this dream is really moving from mostly masculine imagery to mostly feminine imagery. Because the first part is like, it's a male teacher. My classmates are male. This guy has this laptop with this like big protective case, which seems Uh very masculine. And I'm like sitting they're waiting to to be taught in some structured way. Mm -hmm. And then there's the earthquake that just like shakes everything up. And it's not cracking the ground or anything. It's just like making the ground look like waves. Mm -hmm. And then I connect with this female stranger who is trying to reconnect me with these two twin girl, little girls. I'm supposed to, you know, help them somehow. To me, this is kind of what's been going on the last few years for me really is moving from the realm of the masculine where I was very comfortable functioning for a long, long time.
0: How so? Uh, What's the realm of the masculine? Well,
1: Dreams are not misogynist or whatever. Like when we talk about masculine and feminine, it doesn't always mean gender, but there are spectrums. And I think actually like Asian cultures have this better because they talk about yin and yang instead of gendering it. But Mm -hmm. in general, the masculine end of the spectrum is about getting things done. It's about... Making plans. It's about drawing boundaries. It's about classifying and aggression and action rather than passive stuff. And then the flip side of that is the feminine, which is more about connection and relationships and nurturing and more passive. And yeah, yeah. so right. So my life was very masculine for a long time. I mean, I'm a doctor. I did science and science fairs and science experiments for a long time. I was very comfortable in the black and white world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was a fundamentalist Christian where there were very many black and white rules. Right. And I was pretty comfortable with all that because it felt I knew when I was doing a good job if I was following the rules. right? And so the last few years, I've definitely been trying to move toward a more balanced way of yeah rediscovering feminine body. Yeah.
0: And that transition is, is chaotic. I mean, you've gone back to school and you've, you've created an earthquake in your own life.
1: Yeah. I mean, most people don't create big change in their life without some kind of, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, My old therapist said, if it doesn't hurt, it probably isn't true.
1: (laughs) Oh, Seymour. Yeah. That sounds like him.
0: (laughs) I asked him once about twins and I said, what's, what are twins about? And he says, doubling. So it's an amplification. So because you got two of those little girls, it's like Boom, boom, like pay attention. It's like a recurring dream in a dream.
1: Yeah, these little beings to take care of more instead of just focusing on me. And And
0: I'm going to take a more extroverted position on your dream. So when we say that, folks, when we talk about introverted, we mean the inner world, things that concern the inner world. And that's what Amy was talking about, the parts of herself. When I talk about extroverted interpretations, I mean it's about how the dream reflects what's concretely going on in their lives outside of them.
1: And isn't it cool that a lot of dreams work on both those levels? I mean, the unconscious is very wise. Variably do. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, But as human, as mere mortals, we have to kind of parse it out. So, on an extroverted scale, I think the dream is saying that, Amy, you've got something to offer the world that's in chaos. You've got something to teach
1: these people. (laughs) That seems like pressure. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, (laughs) I'm putting the pressure on you. So, I guess I'll share a dream. I mentioned earlier about the dream about getting the toolkit from my mom. So, I'll have upgrade dreams. Like, I had one dream where. My, um, neighbors, when they moved out, I got home in the dream. They moved out literally the real world. They moved out, but in the dream, they also moved out and I came home and they had given, they had upgraded all of my appliances. Like they had taken all the old ones out and put in like better, like better speakers, a better blender better microwave, better stove, you know, those are all kind of alchemical mechanisms. And by alchemy, what we mean is when, when there's kind of a, a chemical reactions, like think of a machine, like a working part in the psyche as an alchemical process. Cause it's not like you have literal, like little livers in your brain, but you've got chemicals that move around and shift. And how else are you going to change, create change in your psyche by, ha- by, by having some sort of chemical shift? And so usually when you have a, a machine like that, like a, a stove or a blender, it's like an alchemical thing. It's like something's being mixed, something's being moved, something's being churned about.
1: Yeah, cooking, cooking being applied, heating, heating, chemical reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I was getting an upgrade on all my mechanisms. And I that was, I think, good <laughs> well yeah and at this time
1: i mean how many people play video games and whatever like i wonder 100 years ago if that would have meant yeah. something are we creating new archetypes through all of our video games well we're not creating
0: are? new archetypes what we're doing is like 100 years ago there would have been different mechanisms that would have been upgraded it would have been a different it would have been like instead of having it like in modern day you'd have a dream about a car if it, the car is usually the vehicle of your life right the thing in maybe 100 years ago it would be your horse or your carriage or or your shoes even Mm -hmm. you know who knows right or whatever it is you had or walking along a path it's it's hard to know and the other thing cool thing about the dream is that all those all those mechanisms were in darkness i mean it was very hard to see so i think that meant that they were still in the subconscious, kind of in, in not really at the surface yet.
1: Yet to be fully discovered. Right.
0: And a lot of times, folks, when you have dreams that involve basements, back doors, something that's behind you uh, or underneath or underground or in darkness, generally what that means is that even though dreams are all from our unconscious, it means that this aspect of the dream is something that you have yet to unearth.
1: There are frequently houses in dreams, right? And I think that houses usually represent the whole psyche so the basement can be that unconscious part and then if you're dreaming about like being up in the attic or being up on the roof it's probably a sign that you're way up in your head or you're up in the spirit or in the brain not not toward the unconscious yeah and the rooms of a house can mean something too yeah yeah.
0: yeah and so on um and then i had another dream about the golden gate bridge a bird's eye view of the golden gate bridge and the golden gate bridge goes north to south Mm-hmm. And in this dream, they were building an east-west extension as if as if one was going to go out to Japan and the other one was going to go to the East Bay. Like you could actually see them building it. And the the bridge looked like a neuron almost. It was almost the dream was reflective of literal concrete connections in my brain that were being made or built. Mm. And bridges, of course, are very important because they're connected to the water which is the unconscious. A lot of times in dreams, it's not like a literal thing. It's like it's a juxtaposition. So a bridge is reflective of your connection to the unconscious, not because it bridges over the water, but because it's a bridge and it's in water.
1: Yeah. And you said it was a bird's eye view. Yeah. So we already talked about how flying sometimes means like inflation or not being grounded. But in this case, it seems more like that it's just a perspective. And I think that's another point that like you can't make any 100%. This always means this in a dream. Right. It's it's not always an inflation or flying. Sometimes it's just that you're, you know, going out from a bigger perspective. So it's really important to always take into account the context of the dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to be super against dream dictionaries, period, because so many of them are like, this bird always means this, and this, you know, color always means this. I've actually discovered a few now that offer a lot of different. Choices, And Uh so I'm actually more okay with that because I think if people can look up aspects of their dreams but still have that soft focus in their head of like, where's the energy? Like, where does this click with my life or my dream right now? Mm -hmm. I think you can do some decent detective work that way. Yeah. Although Seymour would probably not.
0: Agree. <laughs> well, my dad, he was a Jungian analyst, and he had a patient who had a dream of a moose. And there's a lot of interpretations you can make of moose. I mean, they're big and strong, and they're earthy creatures, probably masculine. But for this particular patient, the moose symbolized Canada mm. and his lost connection with his childhood. Because, uh, you know, the Canadian moose is a, I think it's on their some of their money you know it's like a big canadian thing Mm -hmm. at the end of the day the interpretation of the dream is entirely up to the interpreter and even if you don't quote-unquote get it right it doesn't really matter because as long as you're dabbling in that realm as we said before all interpretations are basically correct because they're a way into the unconscious
1: well yeah, I mean I give cold reads all the time, basically of just stuff I'm reading on the internet from people that I don't know. Yeah. But if I can give them enough ideas and examples, mm-hmm. then they can run with that and yeah. really personalize it to, you know, to their own lives.
0: Do you have any favorites?
1: Yeah. I got a good one. This dreamer who has given me permission to use this dream. He had a dream that he was following this younger kid into a town square and they were going to do some shopping or something. And all of a sudden there were three gunmen. Everybody got scared and started to run away. He made eye contact with one of the gunmen by accident and then turned to run. And the gunman basically ran him down and shot him. He had a very strong feeling of like where he got shot. It was like the back left part of his head. He said in the dream he could also kind of see the wound. And then after he woke up, he could feel that. Whoa. Like that part of his head still felt strange and kind of buzzy and vibrating. Jesus. And, and, yeah. So I'm... Listening to him tell me about this dream and I'm like, the gunshot has to be the most important thing, right? Because it gave him like a lasting somatic impression of it. But he really was having a lot of trouble figuring out why and what the gunshot would be about. And we were bouncing back and forth different ideas. And then he remembered that he had watched the movie Fight Club a few days before. And all of a sudden, because I had been talking about the location of the gunshot has to be important. Like, what are your associations with that part of your head or getting shot or whatever? And he remembered that there was a scene from Fight Club where this convenience store clerk is being threatened by a gun and the gun is pointed right in that location Yeah, and he's being threatened by tyler durden who's saying you should have gone out and achieved your dreams but you didn't you're sitting here like a convenience store clerk and so basically he's saying you know i'll shoot you unless you go back to i think it was veterinary school or something Mm -hmm. And so that totally made sense for the streamer. He like sent sent me a message, look at where the gun is pointing in all caps. And because that's the issue he's been struggling with in his life right now is feeling motivation and he wishes that there was like some external motivation yeah. some external way that he was being threatened and had to you know get on with things so
0: it's also behind him which is again the the unconscious is sending him a message mm-hmm. and it may be also indicative of a wound that he has that he hasn't worked out yet which may be preventing him from moving forward i don't know mm-hmm. huh cool the other thing i want to mention that's awesome is that uh, folks when you have a dream let's say you have a, a you see a movie or you take a drug or whatever and you have a dream It doesn't mean that the event or the drug necessarily caused the dream. The dream stuff was already there. You took the drug, the drug kicked up sand, and that caused what was already in you to be pushed up to the surface.
1: Yeah, people on like Trazodone and stuff will say, it gives me the craziest dreams. It's like, no, it's not giving you those dreams. It's just affecting your sleep pattern where you can remember the dreams exactly. better you're, you're more able in to see them, them. or
0: it, it's stirring up stuff that you haven't dealt with before and also seeing a movie can be the same way because not only can it kick up stuff because it hits you in a deep way but also dreams use it's like a collage from a magazine you you cuts things out of daily life to to send you messages and it's like if it right if you unconscious recognizes oh yeah that's I don't know if the conscious works like this, but that, that, yeah, that matches that thing, that message I've been trying to send. Let's, let's use that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a useful way to think about it.
1: Yeah. People are always posting dreams about, you know, I just dreamed of this person from high school that I haven't thought about in years. Like, why am I dreaming about this person? And they usually go on to say, is it because they're dreaming about me? I dreamed (laughs) about my crush. Does it mean that they love me back? And she's like, oh God, yeah, I hate that. (laughs) Um, It's it's not. The dreams are choosing this person to represent some aspect of yourself. Yeah. So you got to figure out why.
0: People often ask me, hey, when I have a dream about a person, am I really dreaming about that person or is it a part of myself? And one of the ways I answer that is if the person represents a part of you there's a reason the dream picked that person to represent that part so there's this thing that i call derivative interpretation where the derivative is if you picked let's say your stepmom and in the dream she's this psychotic crazy person with wielding a knife who's trying to chase you down and kill you. That may be a part of yourself or maybe some sort of dark feminine aspect of you that's not functioning too well, but there's a reason your conscious picked your stepmother.
1: I think it's easier in some ways to figure out what a person means if you don't know them very well. Because if you dream of someone you know really well, there are so many aspects of them that the dream could be meaning. Mm-hmm. But if you ever dream of some random person from high school that you barely know, then what is your major association with that? What's the first image you think of when you think of that person? Mm-hmm. What's the the main time in your life that it makes you think of? You know, if yeah you're dreaming of somebody who was the class clown then it probably represents you know some fun loving part of you yeah if you're dreaming of like the jock then it's some part of you with some authority and power if you're dreaming of your PE teacher then it's probably like somebody who's authoritative and making you do things but
0: and Jung also talked about proxies so that a lot of times if it is a person in our lives that's too close to us or part of ourselves it will pick a proxy it'll pick someone else to stand in for that person or for that part of yourself so they don't actually have to face it it's like buttering a pill mm-hmm. for you to Sure, swallow.
1: coding it a little bit yeah
0: coding a little bit why don't you read me another dream
1: by someone else or by mm-hmm. me? by someone else okay here we go In my dream, I woke up to staples in my mouth, like in my gums and the roof of my mouth. I started pulling them out. Once done, I noticed there were some in my feet as well. I started pulling those out and then realized I only have four toes. My pinky toe had been cut off. I start pulling the staples out of my other foot and I realized my big toe was gone too. I wasn't scared or in pain. I remember thinking it was some kind of retaliation. And I just remember being mad my toes were cut off. What does this mean?
0: Ooh, I I know what this one means. I know, I know, I know, I know. Can I say, can I say, can I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of times people have dreams about their teeth falling out. Mm -hmm. And teeth are used to get your portion out of life, to take a bite. And if your teeth are falling out, you can imagine you'd be pretty defenseless against like nourishing yourself, even defending yourself. Uh, Really teeth are like the last stop in like the world. If you don't have teeth, you're in deep shit. Yep. I would imagine that if we were all jaguars, we would have, <laughs> you know, dreams about our claws falling out.
1: Ooh, good point. Yeah, like you
0: know, mm-hmm. um, but we're not jaguars, at least not most of us. Anyway, in this dream, he's got staples in his mouth, which I think is similar. It's like a, it's like it's stapling the mouth shut. I mean, if you juxtapose staple and a mouth, because what is a mouth supposed to do? Open and close. What is a staple's job? A staple's job is to make something stationary, so that it doesn't open or close. Now, whether or not his lips are stapled together is is not as important as you would think because what's important is you juxtapose the image of or the idea of or the archetype of staple with the archetype of mouth and what do you get a mouth that cannot open a mouth that cannot function a mouth that is interrupted
1: yeah, has trouble talking, has trouble eating, taking mm-hmm. in nourishment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, could be any of that stuff.
0: And additionally, toes are also the front line. Mm-hmm. They step forward. A, f- a toe comes forward, right? You take a step, that's the first thing to touch the ground in a way is your toe.
1: it's you know, how we move around in the world. So
0: his efficacy in life is being brutalized here. And There's, toes
1: keep our balance, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: and his toes are being removed. I mean, what's more important in this world than feet and toes? Teeth, those that, you know, I mean, there's plenty of things that are important, but, but if you think about it archetypally, what, it would be really, really limiting if your teeth and your mouth were fucked up.
1: I thought that the absence of something in this dream was important too, because he didn't talk at all about blood or this hurting, right? right. It was just, this is happening. Yeah, this is. These things should be giving a wake up call and hurting and making him want to deal with it, but they're not. It's just, oh, I'm like this. I'm feeling like this. I'm victimized. Yeah. I'm mad that my toes are gone. I, I got a question for you. Okay.
0: So- I work with a lot of people in the recovery world, substance abuse. They invariably have dreams using dreams within about a month and a half of quitting their substance. Mm. I've got my theories around that. and Usually the dreams are they accidentally took a drink or use their drug of choice. They often have dreams about cocaine, even if they're alcoholics. It's always a sense of, oh shit, I relapsed. Or there's the temptation is there, but they don't actually do it. Or they simply drink and that's the end of it. and There's no guilt at all. What's going on there?
1: Well, I think in general if people are, you know, in treatment for substance abuse, that substance had some kind of use for them for a while, right? right. It was doing something, whether it was numbing or providing an outlet for some other kind of emotion that they didn't have when they weren't using. And so if all of a sudden they're not using that anymore, then maybe their unconscious is searching for a way to get that feeling again in dreams. That makes sense. You said often it was like by accident though.
0: Well, I think that the substance becomes so important to them that it becomes the stand-in for other symbols. So that in other words, that their psyche is, is still wholly focused on their substance as a way of delivering information. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that maybe in the absence of the substance, it's kind of like, well, we've got to reproduce this in order to get the message down. Cause I feel like substances are a way for people to have like artificial spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. They're really powerful. And mm-hmm. I feel like the psyche is trying to replicate, I think you kind of said this before, but it's trying to replicate that spiritual Mechanism.
1: And I wonder if there's something to do with, like, oh, I accidentally did, or I just drank in it. I wonder if there's something to do about autopilot and the unconscious warning them about, look, you could do this accidentally or it could happen. So I wonder if it's evoking that emotion of horror or feeling sorry for doing it on purpose if they're not consciously acknowledging that that might happen. It also
0: speaks to how powerful substances are too. It's no joke. you know. If it reaches all the way to the, your unconscious, you know that, that it has real power, real meaning. One of my theories is that the reason that people become drug addicts is because, or that we become obsessed with drugs and drinking is because we've forgotten the power of the internal world. Hmm. Because ultimately, what drugs do is they remind us that we have this internal world that can make us feel calm, make us feel happy, make us feel this, make us feel that, make us understand this and that. And we're so extroverted in this culture that we've completely lost touch with that aspect of life. And I feel like substances are a quick, albeit artificial way of getting in touch with our unconscious. Yep. Anyway, look, that was just my little foray into that. Okay. What else do we talk about?
1: Well, let's talk about this. In general, because I read so many dreams a day, it's kind of interesting to see what themes are emerging. Okay. So, you know, it's been the pandemic for the last three months or whatever. And I was pretty interested to see what was going to come out of that. And there are some days, especially after dark political happenings or whatever, where a lot of the dreams are really, really dark. Mm -hmm. But there are also a lot of positive dreams coming from this. Right. And I see a lot of dreams that are talking about transformation or the potential for transformation. And it's been really interesting to think of that because, you know, we think of this pandemic in general as kind of a negative thing, but it has also given us all time to take stock and maybe not have so much to do in the external life like you were talking about because we're not out in the world going to our jobs and creating every day. So it's been interesting to me that it seems like the unconscious of a lot of people has jumped on that and Mm -hmm. really tried to convince them that this is a time that they can do some inner work of transformation.
0: Oh, cool. Sometimes there are, there's the extroverted, the introverted, and there's also dreams about the whole collective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Seymour would talk about that sometimes, about how sometimes a dream was indicative of, hey, check out what's happening in the world.
1: Yeah, like especially if you're if there's no you in the dream.
0: Yeah. I find that when I have dreams about the collective, there's a different visual quality. Actually, the, the edges are sharper. Like I'll have dreams about nuclear bomb, like nuclear war, mm-hmm. which is, I think, indicative of just the culture as being, is in trouble. Um, I once had a dream about a screaming snake. That was like Screamies. screaming to the sky. And I think it was like screaming a warning to the world.
1: I had a dream a few weeks ago that was like some explosion in the sky. And the phrase I remember is an extinction level event.
0: Oh, Jesus. You had yeah. a dream about that?
1: I, that's all I remember. So yeah. that's why I think it was some kind of collective unconscious dream because I wasn't in the dream really. It was oh, just, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: my God. It's funny when people talk about 2020 being this terrible year. It's it's sort of people's way of trying to talk about the great mystery. There's something kind of lurking that we need to pay attention to.
1: Maybe 2020 the year will help us to see things a little more clearly like 2020 vision because it's Oh, <laughs> not that's very cool. It's putting so much of things in focus for us right now about what's broken and
0: yeah yeah and a lot of my patients lives i'm seeing either people get closer to their spouses or further away Mm -hmm. so it's like almost like an acceleration like everything is being accelerated
1: oh god i can't imagine being quarantined with a spouse that i hated like (sighs) luckily my my husband we just had our 22nd wedding anniversary and uh his quarantine project has been cooking even more so i have no no complaints
0: cool uh what do snakes mean in dreams
1: snakes It can be lots of different things, but in general, I think snakes are closer to the ground or underground, so they can be connections with the unconscious. They have connotations of transformation because they can shed their skin and Mm -hmm. become new again. And I think they also have a connotation of healing because they um, think about like the medical symbol is the caduceus, which is two snakes wrapped around. Mm -hmm. Um, They were sacred animals to the Greek god of healing. Mm -hmm. They existed in his temple. And yeah, so.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I tend to focus on the transformation bit. They're like all spine, which is like the center of our mm. being. They're really basic, really primal. And mm-hmm. in Kundalini, in the Kundalini universe, the snake is curled at the bottom of your spine, and you you experience enlightenment when the snake unwinds. Mm-hmm. And then Adam and Eve, of course, the snake brings consciousness to Adam and Eve. And right, that but
1: stuff. can also be kind of a trickster figure like that. Yes. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and I think that that. You know, asking about the universal meaning of snakes or then we talked about the Garden of Eden and things like all of our mythology, all of our normal stories, all of our fairy tales have come down through the years because... They're archetypal and they mean something to us in some way. Yeah. And as they change over the years and the centuries, it's just they're changing to reflect, you know, what See, what our current needs are.
0: Yeah. Seymour talked about, you know, when the when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the doors of paradise were guarded by, an, I believe, an angel with a flaming sword. Mm-hmm. And his interpretation of that was that the sword is the thinking function. The thinking function divides, it slices and dices, and it's pointed and kind of it chops and and in this particular interpretation it's on fire which means it's overheated that there's too much of it and so his interpretation that what keeps us out of our childhood paradise that kind of place of bliss is an overdeveloped thinking function
1: interesting
0: yeah do you ever have dreams about tsunamis
1: yeah i've had a couple
0: what do you think that means does that mean like an upwelling from the unconscious yeah i think it's the same as a big
1: big wave kind of thing lots of wind stuff tossing you around i'll tell you a funny dream that i just had okay you'll be able to make fun of this one okay a friend has brought me to a retreat where lots of people are learning this guy's particular way of interpreting dreams she's hoping i'll be converted to his way there are lots of different groups of people like different levels of training each group wearing different elaborately colored clothes we're in a big building with a peaked wooden roof that feels like a sanctuary and i'm watching different groups interact and one be taught by the leader guy but i'm sitting off to the side in an empty pew with my back to most of it mm-hmm. my friend comes over and asks if i'm gonna join but she can tell i'm not interested she says so you're not that serious about dreams in an irritating way that seems to question my commitment i say oh i'm into dreams but not all this waving <laughs> around at the hubbub this is too much <laughs> the leader guy hears me say that and instead of being mad, laughs and tells me, good job for being honest. What does that mean? I don't know. Just that there's so much out there about dreams and so many people are really trying to convince people that their way is the one right way or their interpretation is the one right interpretation. And it just irritates me so much because dreams are meant to be intensely personal. And really, the only person who can know what it means for sure is mm-hmm. the dreamer. While yes, I'm doing a podcast to try to try to teach people about their dreams. I am trying to keep an air of humility about it where if they say it doesn't click, then that interpretation doesn't click. And I'm wrong. I may be right about what the dream would mean if I had it. And I do think that's important. I think that we can learn from other people's dreams. Mm-hmm. I think that hearing and seeing and feeling other people's images can you know evoke emotions in us, and we can totally learn from that. But some of the people that are doing this dream work right now have gotten a bit too masculine about it. I think
0: it's also a lot of I mean, you're talking about ego stuff. yeah, you know, I was talking to a patient the other day about false prophets, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of Prophets, or so-called, or leaders or gurus, like they have lots of insight and they share their insights with people, but then they get possessed by their ego because they start to get, you know, worshipped in a way. And it, it, it becomes false because it's coming from the wrong place. You know, and I feel like a lot of dream interpretation comes from the wrong place. It comes from a place of, Seymour used to call it a delusion of mastery. You know, that you think that you are the master of this and that you have the answer. And he, he always said, beware of those who know.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yes, beware of those who know.
0: So let's just do tips and tricks. So the first thing I would recommend is a dream journal.
1: Yeah, you got to figure out a way to record your dreams somehow. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Um, I have friends who don't want to like shake themselves awake enough to write it. So they grab their phone and um, and just dictate it while they're still in bed. Yeah.
0: And I would also, I'd recommend actually because a phone will kind of, takes a lot of work, but to get one of those old school recorders where you can just press a button and then transcribe it the next day and notice how you feel after you've written down the dream you'll Mm -hmm. actually have a you'll feel you'll experience kind of a shift often anyway
1: yeah i do like having mine in text i mean i i end up typing them because then i can search too so i can search for like what dreams have i had of cats and and then kind of see how they're changing over time
0: right okay um what else can people do what's practical
1: Um, As far as some people will say, I hardly ever remember my dreams. And I think there's a few things you can do for that. I mean, honestly, for a lot of people, once they start wanting to remember dreams and really focusing on it and setting an intention before bed to try to remember, things get easier. The other thing to remember is to wake up and and not to move. (laughs) Or if you wake up and move and seem to have been forgetting a dream, actually getting back into the position where you were when you woke up can sometimes make the memories come loose again, even just with that like somatic knowing of this is how my body was Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, writing it down as soon as you wake up before you check the weather or, you know, check your email or whatever. Like you've got to capture them quickly. I have a hard time doing that.
0: Do you ever have bathroom dreams?
1: Oh goodness, all the
0: time. Yes, where the shit comes up and the <laughs> toilets are clogged.
1: Yes, I hate, I oh. I hate it when. Yes, people are always um, posting those too, and I'm like, oh, how much do we get into this? How what do we say? But well, I asked Seymour yes.
0: once about that. He says, well, the shit's coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, bathroom dreams are important. Bathrooms are where all the stuff happens. You know,
1: or there's no, or you can't find a bathroom. Yeah, like there's nowhere. I've got
0: that-. this one recurring dream where I'm going. i in this. I'm in this big sort of. It's like a spa, like a really gross one. There's like a swimming pool and it's like the locker room area and there's toilets everywhere and they're all backed up and gross and cruddy and there's lots of people in them and you there's no place to really sit on them because they're so disgusting and you're kind of searching around for one that isn't really, 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 really gross. Mm-hmm. And I think that's got to be about like just how icky and gross it is to get into your shit. It's like it's no fucking fun, man. Because Jung said that, you know, therapy doesn't really begin until the shadow emerges. Yeah. And the shadow is the dark stuff. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. the negative stuff, but the stuff that you can't see. But man, it's not fun.
1: It's not fun. I mean,
0: you think it's like, oh, I can talk about my childhood trauma. Well, sure. But wait until you actually experience something that you really don't want to talk about or that really is making you uncomfortable. That's shadow stuff. And boy, that's not pleasant. Just the way walking in and taking a... Taking a number two in a gross bathroom is not pleasant.
1: <laughs> well, and clearly you're further along than me because usually if I have them, it's more about um, I can't even find a bathroom. Like I'm looking for a bathroom, but I can't find anything. Like I can't even find the place where I'm supposed to confront all the <laughs> oh, all the crap that's coming up or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, have we covered everything?
1: I mean, I think that was a pretty good overview for people that are interested in dreams. Uh, You know, we're not going to convert people that think that dreams are just the trash of the day. But um, I can't tell you how many times I've had people, you know, just with their first few dreams that they get interpreted. They're like, wow, there really is some meaning to this.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and I guess the next one we're doing is extroversion introversion, right?
1: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fight about that. No, we won't fight, but we don't. Yes, introvert anymore. and extrovert. I feel like are we've worked out. Our issues. Fights. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. Pertinent information stemming from this podcast will appear in the program notes. Should you have any questions or would like to be guests on my show, you may contact me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com or go to my website at benjaminrussick.com. I encourage you to subscribe, share, and all the rest. Thanks again. And remember, whenever you find that your plate is full, sometimes you need to push a few things off to the side, and sometimes you just need a bigger plate.